Welcome back. It's another edition of the Brattlecast, a chance to talk with Ken Gloss, the proprietor of one of America's finest antiquarian bookstores and a bookstore with just loads of great stuff, indoors and outdoors. We talk about your outdoor sales every day. He's Ken Gloss. The bookstore is located, of course, on uh, West Street in Boston, a historic landmark. You do want to check it out. And Ken... um, One of the things we've talked about in the past is the incredible contribution that this area, Boston, has made to uh, various publications in the press in terms of early newspapers and so forth. Let's do a slightly deeper dive today and talk about uh, black-led publications, some of which emanated from Boston and so forth. Well, yeah, it was interesting. I I recently got in a year of Frederick Douglass's newspaper. He published it for a number of years. It was first called North Star, and then through different partners and so on, then it became the Frederick Douglass newspaper. I mean, it is one of the first preeminent newspapers by a black American citizen who was a slave. Uh, And you read through a a newspaper like that, and you might be looking at it, and you, you see the different perspectives. You see how important. Now, this paper is one of the most collected in the United States. And uh, copies, single copies can go in the thousands of dollars, uh, a year in the tens of thousands of dollars. So it's not only very, very important and interesting, but they're also quite valuable. Uh, but what when I got that in, it, it made me think about what other black publications might be around or what would be interesting or what type of collection could you make. Now in Boston, you had a man named Trotter who put out the Guardian. Now it still is being put out. Uh, It's changed ownership many times. But when you realize that you could have been reading the Globe or the Herald or whatever for years and years or the sort of the mainstream uh, Boston newspapers, but Trotter in the black community had a whole different take on it. And they're fascinating to go through. They're, they're wonderful to see how uh, the different advertising, the different things that people uh, were going after. And, and that can be fun. Another time I ran into another paper that was done in New York. And I, a few years ago, I went to uh, Kansas City and I, I, visited the Negro uh, Hall of Fame, the Negro Baseball Hall of Fame. It was fascinating to go through. And and I'm saying to myself, gee, the Negro Leagues, you saw them in Ken Burns baseball, but there must have been a lot more about it. And then you realize that the major black papers in Chicago, in New York, would have had article after article about these players, about what they were doing, about all of this. I love baseball, about all of this baseball history. But at the same time, they also would have had what was going on in Harlem in the the Renaissance uh, and all of the great writers and people. So in those type of papers are fairly rare. They didn't get the circulation that the major papers like the New York Times get, and not as many libraries got them and collected them and wanted them and saved them over the years. So it's it's a fascinating area. Uh, Frederick Douglass, 
uh, one of the things I'll mention, he had all his archives and he lived in the Boston area and he was going to give them all to Harvard, all of his writings, all of his publications, all of his collection and library. And of course, what happened was there was a fire uh, in his house yeah. and, and everything burnt up and it would have it would have been the center for one of right. the greatest collections. Now, I've got a question because in the 20th century, I remember distinctly the rise of at least two of the most prominent ones, Jet Magazine and Ebony Magazine. And I know you, you wanted to factor that into our discussion today. Well, it wasn't just newspaper, but when you look at Life Magazine, you know, you see, and it's being, the, the United States is being told from one perspective. Ebony Magazine was essentially the equivalent, but for the black community. And many people that they were photographed, that they were following the history of, Life or a mainstream magazine wouldn't carry. And they wouldn't carry it for a few reasons. First of all, if they carried a lot of blacks in it, the readership in the South would have dropped off tremendously. And second of all, their readers were more interested in sort of the mainstream white. And, and you almost do that in many ways without thinking about it. And when they started Ebony, uh, it was the tremendous photographers, tremendous history. And matter of fact, just recently, the collection of photographs from Ebony magazine uh, was sold. In other words, the magazine's been long out of business. But that collection of photographs was one of the major uh, collections and went in the millions of dollars, I believe, to the Getty Museum. I'm not sure who have a huge uh, archive of photographs there. But when you stop and look at that and you, you get some of the old magazines or the old newspapers and you thumb through them and you read the history and you read what's going on, you realize Different people look at things differently. The world is different depending on who you are, where you're from, where you live, your economic perspective. And it's uh, it's fascinating to read through. And you actually mentioned this uh, about them covering the Negro League. So they had a sports department. They no doubt had ad sales. They had uh, local news, national news. They had a staff akin to a white staff, but of course it was segregated in those days. So uh, they catered to that. What about advertising in these Advertising, papers? again, you know, uh, many of the products and things uh, that you have uh, that were directed towards hair products, skin products, clean, yes, uh, uh, local businesses. Absolutely. And these were one of the great ways looking at the advertisement to get a better idea of what the community was like, what what people were interested in, what they weren't interested in. Also, the arts, uh, you know, all of the famous singers, the musicians, the writers, the Langston Hugheses, uh, they all were, got very prominent, and you miss that out. Now, when you go back, another type of newspaper that you had were the abolitionist papers, that were very, but they were run by whites. And it's interesting, the different perspective, they were absolutely against slavery and thought what a horrible thing slavery was. They didn't all necessarily think though that everybody was equal. 
that there was still mm. inferiority. Mm. So I love it when I go into a household and I see some of the old Ebony magazines, Jet magazine, which was not on the same size or style, mm. but again, going through a lot of the celebrities, I love going through and looking through and thumbing through. And somehow you take in the history and you realize that people look at things differently. I, I one time um, had, and this is gonna be a little bit different, but I one time was reading about the Civil War and I had three newspapers. One was the um, a Confederate newspaper from Richmond, Virginia. Another was a newspaper from New York. And another was one of the abolitionist newspapers. And they were all talking about a battle in the area of Virginia. And although it was the same battle, the same thing, they were totally different accounts. And you realized, it made me realize that every account, all three of those accounts, although they were totally different, were totally true from the perspective of whoever was giving that account, which is the same way when you look at the uh, Ebony magazine or the same way you look at life and how they would portray something. And you could even bring that almost into uh, more modern views. If you look at an event nowadays and you read the New York Times account of it, New York Times account of it, and you watch the same account on Fox News, you realize people, depending on their perspective, will look at one event the same way, the same event, and come out totally different. Yeah, that's. Uh, but they're both right from that, their perspective. Right, that's the Rashomon and film study. Things, but, right. You know, you know, to talk about that yeah, famous Japanese the, that, film where everybody has, yeah. is experiencing the same story, but from a different angle, and their stories are all different and yet the same. I, and I think it's so interesting and telling when you look at those old newspapers and periodicals and you compare the kind of coverage to today, and even though it's totally different in terms of the genre, there are a lot of similarities. Different points of view are reflected by different publications or television yes, in this and- case. And one of the things great about the black newspapers, whether you're going back into the 1800s or the early, late 1800s during Reconstruction, which there were many, many uh, black communities very well off, uh, very well written, and and the history within those newspapers is so valuable and so much and just not from the articles, the stories, the major events, but what they covered, why they covered the things that were covered, the advertising, what was important uh, to their community, what in many cases they couldn't get by going into the white stores. Uh, An interesting uh, little factoid in that is many black communities were very interested in the advertising of places like Sears Roebuck. The reason is, if you ordered from Sears Roebuck, they didn't see you. They didn't know what you look like. They didn't care. They treated everybody equally by mail order. So uh, that was a a real uh, leveling effect of what people could buy. But you, at the same time, you maybe couldn't go into the Main Street department store if you were black or 
the, a the, little bit different and right. buy those things. The color green was all that mattered in some cases, no question. Well, I think the, the point is this, that without these publications and looking back at them and how they responded, uh, we really don't have as good a grasp on the entire story, the black history story in America. It's a, it's a great way to focus in on some of these particulars. And, and what I would say also is that many of those papers that were very much ignored in the past as collectibles and collectible items now are actually becoming quite collectible. If someone called me and said, I have a 10-year run of the Boston Globe, I'd say, no, there's plenty of those. They're hard to sell. But if they had a 10-year run of The Guardian or another black paper, I would be out there in Mm. a minute and I would find it historically interesting, fascinating, and profitable. Indeed. On many, many levels, because they're harder to get. And I would, first thing I would do, like I said earlier, is I would open up to the sports section and uh, read about the baseball. Excellent. And by the way, your phone is ringing more regularly, even during this podcast, which is a good sign. I'm very happy to hear that phone ring. As always, thank Thank you. you so much. He's Ken Gloss. I'm Jordan Rich. This is your Brattlecast.